Welcome back to Chronic Ass Podcast. Today, we decided we are going to talk about She-Ra. And I'm very excited because it is my favorite show right now. Um, and I'm here with Drew, who's calling in again. Hey. The, great. And uh, also, Barry, one of my very good friends, who I forced to watch the show. Hello, everyone. Um, these two are some of my be- uh, really close friends, so I'm really excited to talk about she with them because they have actually watched it mostly the way through. Um, and I don't know, I think it's a good show and that we really need to uh, appreciate it a little bit more. Agreed. It's actually really good. Uh, it has a great story plot, and the characters are actually really well developed all throughout the series. It's so good. Yeah. It's... It was a show that you could tell was written for children, but is extremely impactful for all the adults that I've ever known who have watched the show. They all fall in love with it because it's just so well written. No, I agree. And so I think we're going to start off with giving a little tribute to the original um, She-Ra from the 80s. Um, and unfortunately, I have not watched that all the way through because I guess I just have a love for this one so much. But it's something on my to-do list. But I found a lot of really interesting facts that I wanted to talk about. Um, and especially just because um, we, off- we obviously want to be here without it. And it also just actually was really impactful for the 80s. Um, it was he- She was originally created in the He-Man universe in his TV show. And because they actually had a 30% um, female audience, they decided to create She-Ra and um, to try and um, bring out more um, female audience as well. So they just, so they, um, so it was more like a money grab at that point. Yeah, probably most likely, Um, which is entirely fair. Um, But also when they created the dolls, because it was made by Mattel, Mattel? Mattel. 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 Mattel, my bad. Naturally, they had them in dolls, but they didn't know if they wanted to put them in the girl or the boy aisle, so they decided to put them in both. Um, And it also, that also boosted up the Barbie sales. Um, And girls actually looked to She-Ra as more of a role model than Barbie, Um, naturally. Yes. And um, eventually, the uh, She-Ra sales were... Um, putting He-Man in the dirt. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not saying that it was, like, cutting it out, but they were just making so much more money than well, He-Man. Yeah. Um, and She-Ra was, you know, a freaking badass. Um, and quite honestly, like, I have not watched the 80s She-Ra show either. I did watch, when I was younger, I watched a few episodes of He-Man, and the show was, I mean, it was your typical 80s cartoon. It was all right. But He-Man is just, like, as a design pretty boring yes i mean he's a he's a ripped blonde dude with a bowl cut (laughs) he's sure he appeals a little bit because he's this jack superhero right but she Ra's design from the very beginning i think is just so much more interesting it's what it's more interesting to look at for sure Mm -hmm. i can't attest to her actual character in the show but just as a design standpoint she is better than he-man yeah yeah yeah, no, I agree. Um, I do know that actually one difference in the TV show, like, um, was that Adora kept She-Ra as a secret identity. 
So no one knew that she okay. they were the same person. Really? Which I kind of don't really get. <laughs> so I feel like I need to watch it well, to understand that a little bit more. No, that, that was something that, if I remember correctly, was something that they actually try to do a lot, especially with 80s shows. Like, He-Man himself was a secret identity for Prince... Whatever the fuck his name was. Adam. Adam, thank you. Prince Adam. Prince Adam. And I don't know why, but they always wanted to differentiate the two identities for a lot of shows like that back in the day. Just because they wanted to have that separation that greater than life personality and then the weakling if you will to show that you it can also adds a, it adds a layer of suspense if you have yes. an aspect of your character that you uh, the bad guys are not supposed to find out I mean right. it's the same thing with Spider-Man and Superman like Superman is no less invulnerable as Clark Kent than he is a Superman but he hides his identity because of the people around him right. so it's probably they probably stuck with that idea because just in the 80s at that time having a secret identity as a superhero was more to protect the people around you so it added some suspense of are the people I love going to get hurt because of what I do right Mm -hmm. yeah and um, so I'm really glad they did change that in the new series but even in the 80s uh, She-Ra was still an LGBTQ uh, role model really so like I don't know and like I said I haven't seen the original show um, but I don't know in like to what extent it um, it was like in the show um, in the 80s. But I know like now they obviously did justice to the LGBTQ community. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, first year, first season, without a doubt. Um, but um, going off of that, you know, Noelle Stevenson, um, who's the showrunner of the show. Um, she kind of took the basics of the 1980 show, and that's how, like, they started, um, the first season of She-Ra, so, but they kind of, like, expanded it a little bit more. Right. Um, obviously it's not the same, but I think she does a really good job and does, like, puts it to justice, does good justice for it. I would agree. Yeah, definitely. Um... The other thing, um, let's see here. What else do we got? Oh, um, one thing I wanted to ask specifically is like with this newest version in regards to the older show, because of the fact that they still have the chant of for the honor of Castle Grayskull, I'm kind of wondering like, are they going to introduce that into this universe at some point? Oh, yeah? Because, I mean, it is technically a power source. Mm-hmm. No, that's um, that's definitely uh, right. I know, well, the other thing that this show deviates from is, and we learned this, I think, within the first season. Yeah, definitely within the first season, that there are previous She-Ra's. Yep. And in the original, in the 1980s, there was just one. So I don't, like, I think it would be really interesting for us to, like, learn more about, like, sh- like Adora's actual background. Right. But I don't know how that would differ- dif- um, be different and how like they would with, be able to handle that, like, because of the fact that there are previous She-Ra's. Well, I mean, you could easily incorporate it in by saying, well, the ancients are really just 
the 1980s version of She-Ra. Mm-hmm. Like, she could have been the first and then built from that. That's fair. That could be really there interesting. There are a lot of ways to tie it in. I know that on Twitter, Noel Stevenson has been retweeting a lot of calls for the She-Ra movie. Oh, right. yeah. Ooh, Absolutely. Really I've seen that trending so much. I mean, what else are you going to have to dive into at this point? Yeah. Diving into the history of She-Ra, the origin of her powers. I mean, they address where her powers come from a little bit. Yeah. Where Adora herself comes from and where her power comes from, that's something that they could definitely dive into. And I was kind of expecting them at some point to tie in the 80s show, but it, it seemed like they were content to just reboot it. Right. And just refresh the entire intellectual property as opposed to tying it just in. tie in. Yeah. You know, I think I agree, but I do appreciate that within the show they have little uh, little Easter eggs of yes. the 80s. And I think that was... I, I think that was really important. Like, it's like they're not really necessarily cutting it out as a whole. They're almost just... Like, yeah, they are rebooting it. They are taking the, the general idea and they're just kind of making it... They're tweaking it and they made it fit for this time, right. this time period. Yeah, they definitely pay homage to the original series. Oh, yeah. They wanted people to acknowledge that it was very influential, and that's why the show exists. But they didn't want to necessarily tie themselves too closely to it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah. Um, so another thing that Stevenson does within the show a lot better is diversity and visibility. So a lot of the characters have different body types, they're yep. different ages, they're yep. different ethnicities, and she does an amazing job at it. Like, I I don't even know. Like, I think she, yeah. <laughs> what? No, no, the, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got for that. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to argue. I mean, it seemed like that was very... Like a, in the forefront of their minds, all of the writers well, yeah. were coming up with these characters because not just were they visually diverse, but character-wise they were diverse. And here I mentioned earlier that I was going to talk about Entrapta, and here it is. <laughs> Entrapta I think is one of the most interesting characters in the series, and like everyone talks to Catra as being extremely well written, which is accurate. Catra was written phenomenally, as good as Zuko in Avatar: The Last Airbender, one of the best anti-heroes in. Yes animation <gasps> love that show can we do one on that <laughs> show next <laughs> do a podcast next sure <laughs> but in Traps I really liked because in like again we're just going back to Noel Stevenson playing Dungeons and Dragons which I mentioned earlier uh in Traps is kind of a true neutral on the alignment chart because yes. her interest is machines when she goes and, and this isn't really a spoiler it's in seasons one and two when she goes over to the horde when she gets captured she agreed to help them, not necessarily because she wants to get revenge on the princesses who she thinks abandoned her. It's just, you have cool tech, and I can do stuff with this. Like, her interest is pretty much solely in machines, and if you're able to help her out with that, she, she'll she befriend you. I mean, she befriended Hordak, yeah. who is, in the show, one of the most evil characters, just because they both had an interest in technology. And I think that having a character like that who's not like, I'm a good guy. Or I'm a bad guy. It's just all, all I really care about is this, and I'll switch sides as necessary. I think that was having a character like that is kind of unusual for a fantasy type series like this. You don't see a character who is 
true neutral unless they're just like a druid sitting in the woods not actively engaging a story Mm -hmm. yeah and like one thing that's actually really interesting about Entrapta is um she's probably one of the older princesses so they pinned her for being like 34 years old maybe yeah um and I think that's really interesting because if you think about it she was pretty much in was it droll I think is that where her Uh, where her yeah I think so yeah, where, where she's from. Um, she pretty much, like, had, like, a couple servants and just machines. And, yeah. like, she was by herself for the most part. And not only that, but the fact that she didn't have a gemstone or... Yeah, she wasn't a magic... Uh, what was it? Her magic wasn't based off of, um, yeah, a runestone. Right. Whereas it's actually tech-based. But I think what makes Entrapta such a good character to me is the fact that she represents the the awkwardness of everybody. Like, the, that one person who can't understand social constructs mm-hmm. or social interactions, but tries. Mm-hmm. Tries her hardest and fails quite, quite clearly in the show. Mm-hmm. But she and grows from that. Yeah, she kind of... And she's also not one of those people who let her awkwardness hold her back. Frequently when you have characters like that who are as isolated as as Entrapta is, as socially awkward as a result as Entrapta is, they kind of stay to themselves. Entrapta is more than willing to go hang out with people. Yeah. And she's more than willing to make faux pas. And then she's just like, okay, that was not something you were supposed to do. I won't do that again. <laughs> and, she just, and she carries on just so cheerfully throughout the entire thing. And I... I really like how they wrote her like that because mm-hmm. having an awkward character who just stays to himself, kind of cliche. Well, she never didn't have her like first friends until she was like in her mid thirties. So like she doesn't True. really know how to handle friendships. Yeah. She doesn't know that like, and you know obviously like Catra's like they left you behind. Like they said bye. Like they pushed you aside, kind of a thing. Like obviously you know she eventually was like all my stuff's here uh, it only makes sense that i stay here yeah you know like it obviously makes sense and goes back to her awkwardness but like she doesn't understand that like what friends are supposed to do for each other until she like kind of starts to see like the effects that she's putting on people and to go off of that like her relationship with Catra is, is kind of interesting because i think entrapped by herself would not have been like oh, they left me here, they don't want me. The only time she really showed any kind of anger at them abandoning her was when Catra was kind of using Entrapta as a mirror of her own abandonment from Adora. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, but she was also very much manipulating her Yeah. to her own. But it's kind of like, it, it was just like Entrapta didn't know how to properly respond to her friends leaving her. Right. So she took her cues from Katra, but she didn't like really. It wasn't like Katra says I should be upset. She was just kind of like, well, Katra seems upset about the whole abandonment thing. I guess I should kind of be too. But she was also just kind of like, just because she is true neutral and more interested in machines yeah. than people, Science. her by herself would not have been super upset about it. And she didn't seem like in the long term to be really mad that she was left with the horde she yeah. was more just taking cues from Katra okay. Katra had abandonment issues yeah and trapped it kind of took her cues as like this is how I'm supposed to react to this right 
Yeah, like, she never really seemed, like, upset at, like, Bo or Dora or Glimmer ever or anyone else. Like, she just kind of seemed, was just like, uh, I'm focusing on science, so this is what I'm going to do. Like, now I have all the abilities and I have everything that I want to do. Like, she has the first one's tech, and they are giving her every opportunity to, like, do it. And they're just like, you just got to do it for us. And she's just like, all right. (laughs) Like, that's fine. And some people even say, like, Entraptive probably doesn't know what her experiments are being used for. And no, she well, doesn't. That, no, but I think she's she just does, like, though. No, fully. things and perfecting it. It depends on which season you're referring to, I, I must say. Because in the first two seasons, she knows what it's being used for. Mm-hmm. They're atta- yeah, for, to attack the princesses. Right. She knows full well. But afterwards, she doesn't. She's kept out of the loop. Okay, that's fair. That I understand. Um, I guess I was just making, like, the fact that she was watching all of, like, what? (laughs) I guess I was just referencing her when the robots were, like, attacking them, and, like, her Scorpia and Catra are all, like, sitting there with popcorn watching them, like, (laughs) just like, um... I have a feeling, like, to Entrapped it, that was more of, like, a... Well, let's see what my robots are actually capable of. It, it was more like it's a test. A test. Yeah. yeah. Like a field test to her, not we're trying to eliminate my former friends. But they're like, I'm, I guess I was specifically thinking of like Hordak trying to build his portal. I don't know if that was in season two or three. I think that's uh, the end of three and a three. That's three. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. But I understand so, what you're saying. Forget that point. That happened. <laughs> That didn't happen. Well, I also love Entrapta's hair. I think it is the perfect addition to her character. So, I've always wondered. But I don't the, understand it. What the fuck is up with Entrapta's <laughs> hair? Like, I know we're going magic here, but she's about magic and tech. Mostly tech here. Yeah. How the fuck is her hair moving? Because <laughs> we've not seen any of the characters that have that kind of uh, ability. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So... Is she the only princess, like, besides Adora, that doesn't really have, like, a stone? Like, a runestone? Or, like... Uh, no, 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 no. Because, um, the two characters, the two wives... Oh, yes, yes, they don't have them either. Okay, you're right, I'm spacing out. So they have regular princesses. It's just, you don't see as many of them because they want to keep the core cast. Okay, that's fair. So there are probably more out there, and Entrapta is just the only non-magical one right now, actually. Probably. So, interesting. Interesting. It was also, I think Entrapta had magic hair back in the day, so they just kind of kept that with their character. I don't know. That would make sense. That would definitely make sense, but they did a great job at it. Tinker having extra hands. No, her hair was basically its own character. We could probably have an entire podcast. Yes. Oh, yeah. hair. I would not be opposed to that. Hey, if we get enough feedback and people are like, let's talk about Entrapta's hair, we will do that. You just let us know. <laughs> um, well, another thing about season one, though, um, before we actually start getting into other, our other characters, right. it has been compared to Steven Universe. Avatar and like Avatar the Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Um, People have compared like Adora to Korra, um, Bo to Sokka, Catra's Redemption um, compared to Zuko's that you were mentioning earlier. 
Um, the fact that, like, Steven Universe has an all-female cast, overt queerness, mysterious science fiction aspect. I took that quote from somewhere I don't remember where it was from, but that I'm quoting someone. Um, but it's su- super true, like, and I think they do a great job about it, and I love Steven Universe. Um, I think it's such a fun and cute show. Agreed. And honestly, that's good. If you think about it, those are kind of the best qualities of mm-hmm. those shows. And they may have taken those as inspiration for this. Oh, absolutely. I think it's hard to find an animated show made in the last 10 years that has not been pretty prominently inspired by Avatar The Last Airbender. Because oh, it was one of those yes. shows. Again, it's a cartoon made for kids, but it didn't, like, just, it wasn't like a SpongeBob where, like, there are serious issues brought up in it, but they don't kind of, like, sugarcoat it. Right. They, they treat kids as being thinking people and display the issues as actually human instead of caricatures and I think a lot of animated shows since then that are geared more towards children because of the success of that and everyone praising that have not been afraid to do that and She-Ra definitely leaned into that it's a show for kids but it deals with topics that kids probably are still struggling with but treats it like talks about them like they're people it doesn't condescend to the the audience Mm -hmm. which honestly i think that's what we kind of need more often now our shows that will actually address stuff like that and show kids how to be an actual good human being and not even so much a good human being but how to be human how to address an issue how to Accept the fact that there are, there's going to be stuff wrong in life, and you got to look at both sides. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. Like it's just kind of how you handle it. Like you apologize. You own up to your mistakes, and like you know, like realistically, you can be forgiven no matter how, like how bad it was. Right. Um. And like, and even so, like I right now we literally have the show on right now, and um, you know it takes a couple episodes for you know Glimmer to like come around to Adora in the beginning because Adora starts off as a horde soldier, you know that is who she is. That's what she grew grew up to know. Yeah. And um, you know, and now she doesn't know anything anymore. She, her whole entire life is just like Adora is like it's just thrown off like she has no idea what's right or wrong anymore and not only that but I think the other issue is that Dora is constantly trying to find a way to forgive herself yeah she like hates herself for it and it was not it had nothing to do like it wasn't even her fault she was like the way she came about like it wasn't she didn't have any control over it she was um manipulated and hidden in the dark from everything yep she was also just, it's more just like she was complicit in it and that's one thing that's another thing that I think the show does really well is talk about like the world as it is might not be the world that you were told it is right and that's that's something that I think all of us as adults can look back on and be like that is absolutely true we were taught that this is how the world is we grow up and look at the view in the world in our own eyes we leave and talk to other people and we see the world is completely different and that we have may been we may have been complicit in some of the things that made the world a worse place. So 
how do you make up for that? Well, you do what Adora does. She dedicates her life to fixing it. And she's not always successful, and she knows she can't do it alone. But every little step she takes forward helps, and that's a that's a that's a message not a lot of kids get, but it's one they need. Yes, it's a matter of taking responsibility. Where you taking responsibility for the world, even though it's not yours, but only doing it within reason. And even the sh- even the show shows this how Adora will overwhelm herself at multiple time points in the series because she's worrying about everything else but not herself. And she has to have her friends around her kind of pull it back down saying, you can't accomplish that by yourself in the timeline that you're giving yourself. They have to be like, they kind of have to put it all in perspective. Look at the good you have done so far. Yes. Yeah, a lot to do. And it's, it's definitely... It definitely says be a part of a community. You can't fix everything by yourself, but if you are part of the community and you take responsibility on behalf of that community, good things can happen. Yeah, and that's like the whole theme of the show is that you can't do everything by yourself. And that's a lot of how um, Avatar is, you know, like you he thinks he has to do this all by himself all the time. And he'll just be like, see you guys. And then he fucks up. And, like, it happens, but in the end, you need everyone you can by your side in order to, like, achieve your goal. And not even just achieve your goal, but to grow as a person. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And so, I don't know, do you have any other thoughts on this specific topic? Because I was going to jump on to horse topics. <laughs> <laughs> that's just because uh, you saw I mean, the horse. I was, I was because that is my favorite comes See. a bit later what the the whole re- relationship like that kind of thing with glimmer but that's more season three and four where glimmer puts that kind of weight on herself yes yeah but i don't want to get into that just yet since we're still sticking on seasons one and two for now yeah no for sure um but anyway the first the my first favorite scene in this show i think is the first time adora sees a horse um she just stops dead in her tracks and this this girl that was raised to be a horde soldier like has no idea what's going on and has no idea what the fuck a horse is and she lights up i mean this girl is what is that and she just like wants nothing to do with it and Bo's just like come on you can go pet the horse like let's go pet the horse and it's just like but uh it's my favorite part it's my first favorite scene okay it's like my first like thing that i saw and i was like i'm sold this show has me sold it's adora's just love of learning new things and the excitement she has when she sees new stuff it it, it is infectious even if it's stuff that we've seen before like a horse (laughs) or uh like when she first visits mermista's home right she's like whoa like it's it is everyone watching just kind of you feel that same excitement even if it's you're like yeah it's a horse and that's actually really good on their part for story character well story character and acting especially yeah. the acting amy carrera who, who is adora adora 
does a fantastic job. She is, she nailed it. Yes. And AJ Mashaka, let's talk about that as Katra. AJ Mashaka, who was also Stevani. She was Stevani, really? Yes, in Steven Universe. And I think that's awesome. But, like, I think she does a great job. And she's, like, a really unique voice. And, um, but, like, as, you know, we just talked about the horse scene in the same episode, you know, Catra realizes, or Adora realizes, oh, you bitch. It wouldn't be an episode of KAK podcast if someone didn't have a coffee. Yes, I'm sorry. We can't do this. This is not appropriate for children. Um, I would have tried, but I, that's just not within my realm of. That's just not possible. Anyhow, but Adora realizes that Katra, like, knew everything that was going on this entire time. Like, Katra's like, or Adora is like, we've been manipulated. Like, this, like, we're wrong. Like, this isn't okay. And Katra's like, yeah, no, I know. And she's just like, what the hell? Like, like, Adora's been living in ignorance. And, like, it's not her fault. She had no idea what was going on. But... I don't know. I think that's just, you know, that's the kind of the start of their, like, failing friendship. Yeah. Agreed. And, yeah, even Doesn't after that, Adora still kind of holds out hope that Catcher will see the light. But it's it's that moment where Adora's just like, oh. Like, Adora was kept in the dark because I'm assuming Shadow Weaver had an idea Adora would react like this. Oh, Catra absolutely. Yes. She knew who she was from the beginning. There was no way she did it. Yeah. Like, Shadow Weaver. You don't even need to get into her. But Shadow Weaver is a good character, technically. She is. She's a great, she's a good antagonist, like, throughout the entire series. Yes. Like, she has just a roller coaster. But, like, you never really, like... They don't never, dive deep into her, no. No, and I kind of wish they would, because I kind of want to know what makes her so angry, almost. Like... I obviously know that some of the things that happened, but it's just kind of like, what really like destroyed her as a person? I don't know if it was so much that she was destroyed as a person. What do you mean by that? Personally, I think that part of her was always just, you know, cruel and whatnot. But under that, it's in it's that tone of. I have to do what needs to be done. Sorry, I had a moment. She said, honor of grace, call. This is not a good idea to turn it on, but it's <laughs> so good. But she's going to do what's what needs to be done, what she thinks need, needs to be done, no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter the cost. Yeah. In that aspect, she's kind of like Thanos. Like, I yes. believe what I'm doing is right, and no matter what it takes... I will do it. And if you don't understand me, then you're just wrong. Yeah, it's coming from that idea of conviction. Yeah. Like, too much conviction, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but she's definitely an interesting character. I wish we learned a little bit more about her. Like, I know we learned up to an extent, but, you know, I don't know. Yes. To be fair, like, all the characters in Chihuahua had a pretty good character arc. I feel like there's a lot with Shadow Weaver that was this kind of left in the dark uh are you uh, i want to say that's when we visited the 
what was it? Uh, Mystic. Yes. Mystic. What is it called? Mystigan? Not Mystigan. I'm watching Fairy Tale at the same time. God damn it. <laughs> ah! Nice. It's fine. But um, I can't remember. I know at some point we do get like there's like an entire episode or two episodes about like her background. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, it just kind of felt like. It's not enough to go into why she is who she is. Yeah. True. You know, it kind of. Also, it's like she's not. Why she is the way she is isn't really the point of the show. It's just things happened in her past. It's a byproduct at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, she's one of the characters that I felt like I wish I knew more about. Well, and like, I think that goes. Sorry. (laughs) Finish your thought. Calm down, I just I wish I wish we had learned more about her, spent more time with Shadow Weaver. Yeah, no, I agree. I there's a lot of things that I wish they talked about, but I think the but I'm not saying that as in it degrades the show. Like it doesn't take away from it. I think they do a phenomenal job with the show with the story that they're telling. Agreed. But it's still like I think the what makes it so good though is the fact that we have all of these questions and that we're like, we want to know more. Like, we want you to write more. Like, I feel like that's almost like how they came with Legend of Korra. Like, we yeah. want to know more. I mean, it's... Legend more... of Korra, they did it interestingly, too, because there's, like, everyone's like, we want to know more, and they're just like, oh, you want more in the Avatar universe? How about we kill off just about all of your favorite characters? A couple <laughs> are still alive, yeah. but now they're old. Yes. But, you know, and I think, like, I've heard people say that they don't like them, and, like... And like like, like Legend of Korra, but you know when you think about it, as in they're telling like they decided to do something completely different within the universe, and yeah. they're two completely different characters, but with the like, but with how they intertwine, and they're really telling a different story of an Avatar because clearly each Avatar has something completely different happen yes. to him, like. The last waterbender lasted, lived to be 30 years old. Like, and then Kiyoshi was 230 years old. Like, clearly we're going to have much she different did, lives. If she had been alive around the time of Ozai, she, Ozai would have been dead within two days. Yes. She would Kiyoshi not have fucked around. She would have just knocked down his door and been like, bitch, we're going now. Yes. <laughs> Aang was put on trial for a murder she committed. And she straight, after he was acquitted, she straight up came out and said, Oh, yeah, I did that. (laughs) She owns up to her shit. True. They actually just released the comic book or the book series on Kyoshi, and I'm going to read that soon because I've read the comics of that follow the TV series of Avatar and Legend of Korra. Have you checked those out yet? Uh, I've read some of the comics. I've not read the books yet. I don't know anything. I think they're just comics. Okay. So I think I was just... I don't... I think Kyoshi is... The Kyoshi series is the first, like, book series. Okay. Okay. It's in the Avatar universe, but I could be wrong. I think they were all, like, graphic novels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which are really fun to read. I think they're really interesting. Granted, yeah. it's not going to give you the full satisfaction of the TV series, but I think it does, like, follow some, like, you know, I think it's some fun, interesting stuff. And, like, I don't want to give any spoilers out, like, to how, like, Legend of Korra, like, releases, but also... Right. Avatar and Legend of Korra have been out for so long. How do you not know how these things end if you're a fan? Um, and I feel like if you're a She-Ra fan, you're probably watch it. You probably watch both of those equally. Um, but that's just my opinion. 
unless they're new. That's fair. That's fair. And you know what? I'm so glad to welcome you into the fandom of the Avatar universe and the She-Ra universe because they're both phenomenal. Um, and we're digressing again. Yes. Um, which is fine. It happens. We are on. This is Chronic Ass Kickers podcast. Um, AKA digression the podcast. It's just what happens, but I feel like it's all quality content, no matter what. Um, okay, so like, let's get back to season one and like really start talking about it. Like, I think yeah. it's really, we really just take a look. So it is a slow start, but I think that's because they really take the time to talk about each of the princesses, where they came from, where their home is how passionate they are about their home and how each of their personalities really reflect themselves. Um, And I think that was really important to start off this series. So it is slow, but I think it's a really, really important um, part of this show. It's a necessary part as a world-building exercise, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they make sure that you know just how this world and ecosystem Operates mm-hmm. and how it's all very codependent on each other. Yeah. No, I agree. And like the other thing is, I know the 80s, it was supposed to be She Ra, the princess of power. And this version, 2018, is uh, She Ra and the princesses of power. Mm-hmm. So that's why they try to focus it on more as a whole than like her as an, ind- ind- as an individual. Yeah. That. I think from the very beginning, their entire idea was She-Ra cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. They, their entire series was built around a community yes. and relying on friends. Because there's, I mean, that's a running theme throughout the entire series. You need to have friends around you to build you up, help you when you fall down, and then keep you going. Yep. Without a doubt. And so, in that respect, they definitely needed the first season to be kind of slower because the characters are probably the most important part of the entire series. The plot, obviously important, but you probably wouldn't care as much about the plot if you didn't love the characters so much. And that all comes down to the first season taking its time, telling you who these characters are and why they are the way that they are. Mm hmm. No, I agree. Um, and that to say, I think one of my favorite characters, I have three favorite characters, Mermista, Adora, naturally, and uh, Swiftwind. Really, Swiftwind? <laughs> I love Swiftwind, and I'm so glad I'm bringing that up, because right now we're about to meet him, and it's episode two or three. Um, he is... He's just an adorable addition, and he has such, like... And he has his own personality. He is not yes. just She-Ra's steed. Like, he is Swiftwind. Um, he wants to save all of the horses and release them into the wild. Um, and I just love him. He wants his own chair to sit at the table. Yes. That is a very important part of the meeting, and I want to address that, and I think he should get his own chair. That's just my opinion. What are you guys' favorite characters? I mean, I've already talked a lot about Entrapta. So. That's fair. She is she oh. is such a unique character. I love her. I have to sleep her hit. You guys might criticize me for this one. I love Seahawk. 
I love Seahawk too. I mean, Seahawk's a good character. He's Come so on. funny. <laughs> I have a friend from college who he, like he looks exactly like Seahawk, which is like when Seahawk came on the screen, I'm like, David. <laughs> but and it's just like Seahawk, like when you first meet him, he randomly breaks down into song, and I'm like, David. <laughs> it's just and oh, he's so funny. It, He's also just like from the very beginning, you're like, oh boy, this man is extremely insecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just that's it. The entire series is Seahawk being insecure. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, funny fact, fun fact is that him and Bo at the very beginning, I think at least for the first like three seasons, are the only characters to sing, and they're only, they're male characters, so. I think that was supposed to be a little jab at Disney. Right. Um, but that also goes into... Because uh, they also have an all-female writing uh, writing team. So I think that's really cool. Right. But um, anyhow, Seahawk's just a great character. And I think him and Mermista are, like, adorable. No, that I was, agree like, with that. Yeah. Mermista's episode was my favorite episode. Like, Really? Mermista's? It was one of, at least my first favorite one. That's when I thought it started to really pick up because Mermissa okay. is such, she's such a fun and real character. Like, I relate to her because I just get really upset when people just make me want to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I would agree with you. It definitely felt like the series picked up once Mermista got involved. Yeah, like, she is so, she's just so much fun. And, like, you feel like, I don't know, you feel like this is a real person to talk to. Just so sassy. Every interaction she has with anyone is just like you All can day. taste the salt in the air, and it's I love it. Oh my god! And Sea <laughs> Princess of the Gray Whales. <laughs> Don't even get me started. That was hilarious. Uh, well, that's in season two, so I'm not getting too far ahead. Nope. Um, what else about season one? What are your favorite characters? I'm sorry. I don't know if you like. I know you uh, said you love Entrapta. It's Entrapta, and then also I gotta go with Bo. Bo, Bo is a pretty cool character. I, I think was... he's one of the most grounded characters in the series. Yes. Seems like he always has his head on straight. I mean, not, but there's gonna be episodes where that's ex- there's an exception, but he because he's also like one of the characters who doesn't have any like magical powers. Yeah. He's kind of just like. All right, focus. Making do with what he's got. Yeah. <laughs> also, his dad. Yeah, it's his dad's. That's the yeah, end of yes. season two, I think. Uh, yeah. I think that's in, yeah. Is it season one or two? It's, no, it's early two. on. It's yeah, no, it's season two. I think it's the very last episode of season two. Um, oh wow! But they're yes, adorable. Really. What about Madame Raz? I love her. I thought her character was very interesting, especially at the end. Yeah, like, she... Well, and first off, she's been alive for 10,000 years. Like, can we talk about that? Yeah. How the hell has she been alive for this long? How does Entrapped's hair move on its own? Okay, you're right. We just have a lot of questions about this show. Yeah. Hashtag magic. (laughs) (laughs) If If you dive too deep into that rabbit hole with this show, you're like, why does anything work the way it does? Madam Raz is just chock full of magic and it's got nowhere to go. I 
think it's something like this. And this is going to sound weird, but she's like quantum entangled with the planet. Quantum entangled with the planet? Yeah. So she can be at any one point in the planet's timeline. I don't know. Whenever she wants. Interesting. She's at all points and not at all points at the same time. Interesting. So she can interact with each part. That's why I got that idea from the uh, last season. Okay. Just because of the fact that... How do I say this without spoiling it? I think think I'm starting to understand what you're saying, and this is going to be definitely an interesting topic we should talk about when we talk about season five, um, because we're going to do another episode on season three and four, and we want to do another one on season five, um, just because there's so much that happens in season five, and I, oh my god. I just love it so much. I'm getting a tattoo of uh, She-Ra, just so you guys know. Um, a lot of people if, have done that. Like, Noelle Stevenson has been sharing all the She-Ra tattoos out there, and there's some really good work getting done. Yeah, nice. I, I'm really excited. I'm going to have to go take a look at some of those to get some ideas, but I want to get her final um, transformation because that is my favorite one. Um, and there's also this whole other theory... Um, behind it that has to go with it so and that's going to be we have to talk about that for season five we can't go into that right now so we need to stay focused like we normally do but madame raz i think is really fun um she could also be entangled with you know um she-ra and the first ones too that could be that would make sense she could be a first one and just chilling out yeah um because she only yeah you only see her she only really knows um, Mara and Adora. Like, I don't know if yeah, she really true. has any other interaction besides Swiftwind, who is now, like, yeah, so... That's, that's interesting. I mean... Are we... We're delving into another theory. This is interesting. Uh, any other She-Ra fans that listen to this, I really want to know your opinions on some of these ideas, because... I love this show, and sometimes it's kind of hard to find other fans. Yes. Um, besides the ones that I have created myself. Um, <laughs> I have made a lot of my friends watch the show uh, recently. Um, who else? I know, I guess when I showed it to Chad when I was drunk, I made him watch a bunch of different episodes first because nice. I wanted him to watch my favorite episodes. Because I wanted him to love it as much as I did. And I guess the other night he texted me saying how much he loved me for watch, making him watch it in such a weird way. And I'm like, all right, I guess this is fine. It is, it it's just such a great show. Create the hook. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, we talked about this before a little bit. But, like, this kind of this show kind of helped me gain the idea for Chronic Ass Kickers. Um, really? Yeah, because we were kind of like, well, how funny would it be if, like, we just see Adora just kicking the shit out of someone and be like, take that, stay down, you piece of shit. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's how it started. Um, We were drunk. You know how it goes. Um, And you know how Chronic Ass Kickers is if you're listening to this. So it is The first time you brought up Chronic Ass Kickers to me, it was during a conversation about She-Ra. Yes. 
Probably. It, it definitely was because I can't remember how the conversation went, but you were talking about, we were talking about She-Rod and you're just like, oh, by the way, did I tell you about this super cool idea I had? And I was like, you no other information was given, but probably not. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. That sounds like me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what else do you guys want to talk about in um, season one? Um, you guys want to jump into more season two? Like, I mean, obviously we can talk about just the Horde's damage that just like, you know, Adora is repping this emblem, this Horde emblem. And right. like, she sees the destruction and she just is like... I don't know. She's losing her whole self. She doesn't know who she is anymore. One, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with the Horde was how many other characters, like background characters and whatnot, all the foot soldiers, how many of them knew what they were doing? Like, mm-hmm. I know we would get that technically with Catra's team yeah. throughout it, but... What about the rest of their civilization at that point? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, we don't really talk about... They don't really talk about the people, like, besides Scorpia, um, how they're... How it has affected them, you know? Like, she's the only one... Because, like, I guess it was, like, her kingdom that they took over, that the Horde took over. Um, And she's the only person that, like, we kind of, like see a little bit of like pre-horde in that era but we don't really talk about the people who were alive before his takeover like we kind of only see people that had grown up in it yes and i think that would that might be really interesting i wonder you know if like they do a movie they could talk about like when Hordak even got there in the first place yeah or even just kind of like repairing the damages of what he did you know, I could see that being like a side yeah. story. That would be really good. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting just because like, you know, they wouldn't, I mean, I feel like they probably would be, a lot of them would feel better about the takeover. I mean, at least not the, not Hordak's takeover, but you know, the princess is setting them free. Right. Um, but now we're going back into season five. Yes. I'm sorry. We'll get out of this. <laughs> um, but season one. Let's go back to season one. I think we can also, at this point, we can definitely include season two. Yes. Because yeah. we talked about season one mostly through the lens of characters because that's what season one was yeah. more invested in. Well, do we just want to touch on a couple more of our characters like Perfuma, <coughs> Frosta, um... Frost is cute. She's um, she's only what eleven years old. I think so. Eleven or twelve, I think. Her character um, design reminds me of Toph, though. Oh yeah, you know people yeah. did references to them. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of young children, <laughs> so Frosta kind of grated on my nerves from time to time. But I was also like. She's kind of like an, an adorable younger sister who, who's trying her hardest to get ingratiated in her older sister's friend group. Yeah. So I was like, I, I thought she was cute, but I was also like, not my favorite character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she was, she is kind of like Toph. And, but she also, you know, like, she took over this kingdom at a very young age. Like, she doesn't have a lot of friends until, like, she becomes part of the Princess Alliance. True. 
and she loves Glimmer. And like that's who she looks up to. And um but you know, she she definitely Even grows. That, they um they kinda of showed it pretty well the fact that Glimmer had to get her adoration. Yeah. Or earn her adoration, I should say. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean they like she still at like asked for respect. Yep. And like, you know, you should demand for respect. Um and everyone still, like, pretty much did, except Adora just wasn't sure how to handle it. She wasn't, she'd yeah. never been around all these other princesses before. Um, but, you know, that was fun to get, like, the princess prom, to get all the characters together. Yes. You know, Scorpio was there, Catra was there. Um, it was definitely really interesting. And I love Scorpio. Like, she is such She's a, a good great character. character. Yeah, she was outstanding. I. Scorpia and Catra are two characters who are definitely some of my favorite characters, but I didn't really want to talk about them too much because to really discuss their characters, you, need the you kind of need their whole arc. Yep. Yeah. Season three and four and five, you, you need the whole story I think to really appreciate how good they are. In all honesty, not uh, not Catra. Scorpia. Um <laughs> She was written the most human. She was. Like, she really, yeah. She displayed the most emotion, the most uh, hope, if you will. Mm-hmm. And she seemed the one who, be, who seemed to be struggling with her role in the world and in the story the most. A lot of the other characters are just like, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. Like, Adora, after the first three or four episodes, is like, I am Shira. I am with the rebellion. Scorpia really seemed to be wrestling with how she wanted to be viewed by the rest of the people, the rest of the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. But also more specifically, like Catra. Yeah. Um, but she's—they're both just really great characters, and we're definitely gonna talk about them a little bit more. Um, we're trying not to give it away. We're trying to avoid spoilers. Um, so we're going to try, like, we're going to try to break this up, the podcast up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like we should move on to season two a little bit. Yes. Um, and really it is just, you know, um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier and Trapta just following her passion. Like she, she wants to focus on science. That's always the only thing she's ever worried about. Yes. So like this opportunity came about and that's what she's going to do. But one thing that I thought was cute was Bo calling in Trapta the best scientist he's ever known. Like he starts talking, he's like talking into this like microphone. He's doing exactly what she's done. Like he really like. You know, you can tell that he, they genuinely cared about her. But oh, yeah. I mean, he developed his whole, almost his own style because of her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Trapta had a huge impact on Bo's life mm-hmm. once they met in Trapta. Bo was always kind of a tinker, being the archer. Mm-hmm. You can't be an archer in any show or movie or comic book series and not have some trick arrows. Otherwise, you're just too lame, unless you're Legolas, in which case you're Orlando Bloom. Yeah. So you're fine. But Bo had always been tinkering with some trick arrows, and Entrapta was kind of also that eccentric inventor. And no one really cared about Bo's inventions until Entrapta. So, like, all of the princesses had an attachment to Entrapta. I think Bo took 
her loss the hardest. Yes. Because he was the one who connected with her on the most significant level. Yeah, you know, and I think I, I think I, that's right. Like, now that I think about it, like, I could definitely see that, like, he was, I don't know, I just thought that was really cute, you know? You could definitely tell that they, like, they truly loved her, and, like, and not that it was, like, heartless of her for what she did, um, because she thought, like, she was obviously a little manipulative, yeah. and then when she started to see, like, this actual passion, she didn't really know how to handle it. She's just like, no, science. That was always her, like, shield was science. Yes. Something to fall back to every time. Yeah. Um, also, um, the one episode where they go to see the first ones, mm-hmm. um, to talk about that, uh, there was a town that was, like, get, being haunted. And uh, I think Dora is terrified of ghosts, and I think that's really hilarious. Because I feel that on a very personal level. Um, <laughs> I'm terrified of ghosts. scared of things. Uh, that was a great episode. Um, that was a legitimately creepy episode at times, too. I was like, I am... Yeah. I'm not great when it comes to horror movies or horror games. I have Resident Evil 2 downloaded on my PlayStation. I have not made it past, like, the first four hours. <laughs> because I'm just like... As soon as Mr. X shows up, I'm like, nope, can't do it. He, I know, he can show up around any corner. I can't do it. Nice. So, like, it was legitimately kind of creepy for me. Like, it was a cartoon and very clearly leading towards something that I knew wasn't scary. But there are moments where I'm like, this is a... Like, I understand why Adora is creeped out right now. Oh, yeah. But I think they did a really good job, especially for a kid's show. Yes. Just being yeah. able to creep him out a little bit. But, you know, it was really interesting how they, like circled back around to the first ones and like all that um oh and adora sleeping in a new bed she cannot sleep in fluff she needs hard floor thanks to the horde just saying and meanwhile there's glimmer who has like that super flush bed that's i would love that bed i don't know that just seems like oh I'm gonna fall at any time here. She can also teleport, so if she falls, like she's halfway to the ground and back yeah. up on her bed, she's probably fine. That's fair. But I, I mean, if thought, you're like I in it enough, really good, like you should be fine. Yeah, I think that's a really good example of like the differences between Adora and Glimmer early on. Yes. Because they they definitely butt heads in the first few episodes, and then seeing like Glimmer in this super posh, really extravagant bed, and Adora can't be comfortable unless she's sleeping on basically a slab of stone like you, you see the difference in their characters yes <laughs> uh i just think all the characters are so human and it just like warms my heart you know they all like try Ugh. just such human characters um they did a, they did a really good job they did um Another one of my favorite episodes was the D&D episode yes. they did. Uh, they were doing plans to try and infiltrate this uh, castle. And uh, each one, they had a different uh, art scheme. But, yes. you know, for Bo's plan, they did the 1980s version outfits for all of the characters. And it was just so, ref- like... It was such a great, like, homage to yes. the original one, and it was a great way to do it. They they did such a good job. It 
great way to show all the characters' personalities, like how they viewed themselves and the group they were in, and just made it so. They made a planning episode so entertaining. It oh, was, it was so good. Yes, so good. Now I do want to pinpoint uh, what you said. The artwork and how it's changed mm-hmm. from the season to season. Yeah, it's changed a lot. What do you mean? Um, or like were you talking designs. about like the D and D episodes? No, no, no. Like not specifically that episode, but that sparks the concept of how the art care the character designs have changed over the seasons. Oh yeah. The designs definitely matured yes. with the characters. Glimmer is a great example. We probably don't want to get into that too much until yeah, later, but on that one. The, I I definitely know what you mean. Like they did a great job using the visuals. Yes. To tell, mm-hmm. to tell the story. Yeah. That is a great point. I didn't really think about that until now. I think we, in hopes of trying not to reveal any spoilers, anything right. that like we need to talk about that rounds about, we can save it for the last one, Sounds the good. last podcast for season five, because I think that will be that'll save us from spoilers because we're trying to save some stuff for you guys. But I promise this whole series is worth watching. It is so satisfying from episode one to the very last one. Um, they really like did the show good. Yes. And um, the characters are just so great. And like, yeah, it is a kids show, so that means you can watch it with your kids. You don't have to be like, hey, I want to watch my, you know, I'm, I don't know, whatever, like my adult show. You guys all have adult shows where your kids go to bed. I don't know, like, whatever. Anyhow, you're not you, watching Rick and Morty with your kids. Yeah, yeah, you no. can't you can't do that. Like, I mean, you, it's your kid. I'm not gonna tell you what the fuck to do. <laughs> um, but this is a show you can watch with your kids. You can watch with anyone. It's enjoyable. It's funny. You know, it has a good message. Yeah. Um. And it's just and it's visually appealing. It has it checks all the boxes. What box doesn't it check? Tell me. Tell me. Uh, tell me. I bet you can't. No, no, not really. Give me time. I can find one. Oh, you could because you would. Because you're a Virgo. That's why. (laughs) Uh, Give me a bit of time. By the next podcast, I'll come up with something. He's a Virgo, so that's why he's going to try to find something wrong with anything. If you give me a challenge, I'm going to come up with something. It is is hard to think of a box that it doesn't check. at least a meaningful box it does not check. Yeah. Like you can say there is there is something this show does not contain, but at the same time, who cares that it's not there? Right. I will say, it, if you are starting the show, definitely power through the first few episodes. Like we said, it's a bit of a slow burn. It is but definitely. But you avoid that slow burn because you're going to develop a relationship with the, char- the characters in that time. And it's very important that you develop that relationship, that you get invested because the payoff is so good in the later seasons. Every from season two onward, every single moment in the se- the series is a payoff for stuff that they have laid down in the past. Oh yeah, I think you know, like so. For me, when I first started watching anime, I talked to Barry, I talked to Drew, I talked to you know a couple of my friends, and I was like, "Give me some animes to watch," but I would like 
to what how long should I give it to watch to? Because sometimes you can't just watch the first episode of something. If you like no. really good shows do not pick up until like, you know, the f- second or third episode sometimes and that's okay like sometimes they just really need to lay the groundwork but obviously someone saw something in that show so just give it another episode or two yeah Personally, i mean if you judge the entire game of thrones series off the first episode yeah like it's all right although that's maybe a, a, a bad comparison because the last two seasons of game of thrones were trash yes but that's another podcast waiting to happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I just lost my train of thought. Season two, just after the D and D episode. Season two, there we are. Uh, okay. Also, that's when in D and D, so they have this different kind of artwork. Yes. Um. So like for so like we said, both they did the 1980s version. Um. Mermissa talks about Sea-Ra, and that's when we see Sea-Ra for the first time in the honor of gray whales. Um, <laughs> what a great Jesus Christ. Um, and then I think oh, my man. favorite one was Frosta's because she was Winter's Bane. Yes. And I think that is the most, that is the first time that I see Toph in Frosta. That's the first time? Maybe. It could have been sooner, but, like, at least when I'm seeing, like, I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, that is a very, like, memorable time. I, you know, when they're trying to, like, when Bo's like, hey, let's not destroy these weapons, like, these monsters, definitely then. Like, she just wants to destroy everything because, but she's tough, and I think she really just wants to be, like, I'm not going to back down from a fight. Also, how can you not destroy something with ice? Like, let's be honest here. True. Like... (laughs) Ice fist, ice hammer, like, come on. Winter's Bane, she gets all, like, Sin City on us. Yes. <laughs> or is it that, no. It was really good. Wait, or no. maybe it's a uh, Glimmer. Glimmer got real Sin City on us with yeah. her artwork and very, like, Glimmer's, dramatic yes, lines. Up right now, Glimmer was, like, the purple noir style. Yes, think, thank you. That is a very, that's a better way to put it. It was Bo who was the uh, the classic She-Ra stuff, I think. Yes. No, it definitely was. And I know. And then, um, but I just thought, like, her depiction of um, Catra, all their different per- perceptions of Catra were so funny. Like, no one Catra had her down. how no. hard in Glimmer's. Like, if you look at the pictures, it, she is straight up Bond villain. Yeah. It was so fun, like, it, and I think that's, like, a really fun way to, like, experience with fan art. Yeah. And just different art concepts. gave himself a mustache, and <laughs> he's got a little tiny mustache. Because, uh, yeah, because he was blonde and, like, had a tiny mustache back then. Yeah, he got himself a little tiny mustache. I think nice. in the 1980s version, um, naturally all the princesses were about the same age. Yeah. And about um, in their 20s, I think. Probably, but like Frosta was like really into He Man for a while. Um, really? Obviously, that clearly changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was really funny. Um, I don't know anything else about it though. Like, they were all like, all the characters were uh, like 20 year old white women with just different colored hair, um, I think. I'm pretty sure. But like, now it's like, you know, they're all short. They got some thighs. Some of them are like 
pretty skinny. Yeah. Like, you know, they really, really hit over all of the different body types within the princesses. And it's so great. Like, they do a really good job about, like, not a single princess looks alike. And it's not even like they comment on it either. No, not at all. Like, they're really good about, like, you know, and with their personalities. Like, um, they're just so different from each other. Ugh. We're going off. Any other topics on or to- la, 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 la. Um, <laughs> thoughts on the D and D episode? Because that was definitely like my favorite. It's easily a high point of the series, but I mean, there's there's so much good stuff in that. I don't want to talk too much about it because I I think everyone needs to experience the D and D episode and just enjoy the Actually roller coaster that it. episode is. Yeah, no, that's entirely fair. Um, I think, you know, and, like, Scorpia has her moment of shine, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they really did give every single character their moment, which is impressive in a 22-minute show. Agreed. Every single character had a moment. Yes. And if I remember correctly, wasn't um, Adore kind of in the background since she was recovering or something like that? For the D and D, she was just. I think so. She um, wasn't recovering. She was just kind of. She would. She was just kind of struggling, and everyone kept kind of talking over her oh, because yeah. they had. They all had their own ideas on what the plan would be, and Adora just kept getting like gradually more frustrated because they'd all come up with these plans that were all equally equally ridiculous. And seeing Adora trying to like take it seriously when they're having it, they're absolutely having a D and D session at yes. that table. Yeah, like, she is, yeah, she's the only one taking it seriously, and everyone else is, like, I mean, I think in a sense, they, like, to an extent, they are trying to take it seriously. Um, I can, uh, okay, we're still good. Um, But, like, we, uh, you know, they are trying to take it seriously, but she doesn't think so, because they are, like, obviously being a little dramatic about it and, yeah. like, thinking that they can just wipe them out. And, like, she's just like, no, like, let's be realistic. Like, I know how the horde is. Like... She has the experience is what she's always constantly trying to st- show them, but they just won't accept it. Yeah, and, like, she knows Catcher's a threat. Her experience also kind of leaves her gridlocked sometimes though yes. because she is she is aware of how powerful the horde is that sometimes she's like oh if we do any if we do anything they're gonna have a counter for it so it's kind of a good episode for that like to show that the princess is kind of underestimated the horde while she uh, adora overestimated the horde agreed mm-hmm. and it led it just led to a straight-up impasse where no one was willing to commit to a plan because none of them liked it yeah Exactly. So, but I think they just <laughs> see raw. I want to see like a little bit more of see raw. I'm not going to lie. Um, I know she's not really a thing, but I love Mermessa. And now I remember the point that I was trying to make beforehand when I decided I went ship brain. Um, but I think if you give it to at least Mermessa's episode okay. in the series, I think it really takes off after that. I think, and, like, Mermissa is, like, your first real funny character. Like, you really relate to her and how just kind of, like, she's kind of, like, a cranky 
Gen Z right now. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> a character I might compare her to is, uh, I think his name is Flynn from Tangled. Yes. Yeah, the, because, like, the not the prince, but, you know, the, the realistic, guy. Uh, or yeah, the one who shows up during their musical and he's like, why is everyone singing right now? Yeah. That is absolutely Mermista's vibe where all the rest of the princesses will break out into a song and dance and Mermista's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Yeah, no, she's she's a phenomenal character. Um, and, uh, man, I just want more She-Ra. Like, I wish they didn't end it. I mean... Well, Steven keeps retweeting all the She-Ra movies. I know, I keep... I, mm, I'm so about it's, it. Like, I follow so many people from She-Ra. If someone from She-Ra decides that they would like to take the time to listen to this podcast, I am very grateful for that. Um, also, I would appreciate you possibly being interested in our chronic ass kickers. Um, it is an adult um, animation that we have created, and it is so funny. Um, granted, it is definitely 21 and older. Uh, yes. 18 and older? I think I gotta do 18 and older, but sometimes I want to say 21 and older. <laughs> um, like Rick and Morty kind of a, like, audience. Um, Actually, yeah, so 18 and older. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's as if the Powerpuff Girls grew up to be massive stoners and, like, have superpowers. And, like, they, you know, they're kind of grumpy. Um, but they get the job done. Yep. And they're super cool and super funny and realistic. And we talk about mental illness, which I think is so fucking important. Um, and it's something that we just want to share with everyone. Um, but we have to go back to She-Ra because that's more important right now. Um, but the other episode I want to talk about is actually this next episode after the D&D episode is when... Um, they, uh, Scorpia tries to set up a date with Catra. You know, oh, like they I are in the winter. Episode. Yeah. They are in this winter wasteland, and she just keeps asking Catra, and she's just like, hey, you like, she just wants to ask her to hang out. And she's just I was so nervous. So hard. That entire episode, I was just like, come on, Catra. Go for it. I know. Just say yes. She was she was so precious and she was just so sweet. And um, when Adora is like pretty much like all like when she's poisoned, like she's kind of drugged out, like she does not know what's happening. She is like we see the actual raw power of She-Ra in those like episodes like that is like the true anger that she yes. can actually like release and like I think it also kind of just shows actually how powerful Adora is in what sense like no like you know you don't really ever see her angry like too much after like in this kind of sense but right. also like you kind of see that she is that she might hold back against the horde a little bit, like because of Katra. Like she still yeah. has that personal connection with Katra, and also like Lonnie and Rogelio and Kyle. Like yeah. she grew up with all of them. Um, but like, and also like she has become very close with Bo and Glimmer, 
And so, like, now we see her kind of, like, completely lash out in this, like, maniac kind of manner. Definitely maniac manner. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean... So, it's just, like, we kind of get a glimpse of as to, like, man, this girl could really, like... Destroy Destroy a lot of shit. It does show you how much... So how controlled Adorat is trying to be at all times because you see like if She-Ra ever just lets loose if Adora by herself ever just lets loose but especially She-Ra it's there's going to be just swaths of destruction she is legitimately so powerful and Adora's you, you realize Adora's constantly trying to keep that in check to do her best not to kill anyone because like Haley said, she does have a relationship with a lot of people in the horse. She knew a lot of people back then. She knows they do bad things, but they're not necessarily bad people, and she doesn't want to kill them for it, and she doesn't want to destroy parts of the planet she's now trying to protect. So she's, you can see, she has been holding back, and she continues to hold back for pretty much the rest of the series. She never, You never see her get unhinged like that again. She, It's all very focused whatever mm-hmm. power she applies to a situation. Which honestly is kind of amazing that she knew instinctually how to do that. Mm-hmm. Especially since they didn't really show her training to get used to the powers to the strength and all. Well, they did a little bit of training when she was with um, uh, Light Hope. You know, like she put her through like si- like simulations and like with Catch, like she like was... Light Hope, she even made a comment about Light Hope being too realistic on who, how Catra was. And she was just like, did you have to make her so mean? And she was just like, is the one you call Catra not mean? She was just like, no, she is. Like Coming to terms with that. Yeah, like, she, so she's actually been holding back. And, like, even Light Hope was like, you're not, you're doing worse. Like, what are you doing? Like, so. She does not want to hurt the people she's fighting. No. And, like, she. Like, even if it's a simulation, she won't, she would refuse to kill her. Yeah. You know, like, she knew that, like, she just couldn't do it. So she definitely knows how to hold back. (laughs) No, she couldn't. She couldn't. Um, Every time she came close to having to kill Katra, she explicitly held back. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. She could have either killed her or let Catra die so many times throughout the series, and she could not do it. In the first two seasons, it happens, like, five times. Mm -hmm. And she just can't do it. And it's like you said earlier, she just can't give up on Catra and hoping that Catra will see the light. It's actually a really good aspect of her character. She doesn't give up on really any character. Right. I feel like even... She never really says it, but to some degree, she thinks Hordak could be a good person. Even though she's like, of all the characters, she probably you're getting too far. She probably, if it came down to it, she probably wouldn't kill Hordak. But that's like crap out of him. She she wouldn't hold back as much against him. But I feel like she's constantly trying to see the best Mm -hmm. in everyone. Like Shadow Weaver is another example of like someone she thought was just incredibly evil and being 
time. This is oh, this is later. Later on. <laughs> no, here's a way to keep that within the first two seasons. It's the fact that she sees that her own situation, where she was able to be redeemed, she's still looking for redemption, but she wants to have that opportunity or give that same opportunity to everyone else as well. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing is, like, they're still, like, the princesses are still on the defensive. Yes. So she hasn't even had a time to be close to, like, anyone higher up. So even so, like, first she just needs to get through Katra to even be able, like, Katra's pretty much the one leading the army at this point. Yes. So she needs to, like, take her out before she can go any higher up. And, like, we don't, like, we sometimes get a little bit more of, like, how the characters are, like, how she is with other ones. But, like, for just right now, like, she has to, like, Katra is her main goal. And that's the only, like, yes. so we don't know if she'd be able to even take out Shadow Weaver or Hordak if the time came to it. Because right now her primary goal is to get through Katra. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was trying that's to think good. something more to say, but if I said, like, I couldn't say any more and keep it in seasons one and two, so I did. No, that's fair. Off. Um,. So the one other thing when Catra's all, um, when Adora's all, you know, drugged up after, yeah. like, and this is more when she has left the She-Ra personality. She's not um, all maniac out, um, but it's her and Scorpia. And Scorpia's pretty much, like, letting her heart out to Adora, this complete stranger. But, like, it she... Was such, oh, it was so adorable. It was, it was amazing. Like... She, like, okay, and then she was just, like, hitting the butt, like, the keypad, and she guessed, like, Catra's, like, she was, like, it's her favorite number, or it was her birthday or something. Like, that was just so freaking cute. Like, just boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I love Adora. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting, I'm going to have an aneurysm or something about this. <laughs> I just love this show. It's... I was just going to say, for an episode that started off so serious and so, like, dire with wild She-Ra going and trying to kill everybody, for it to end with drugged-up Adora being just so cute. Yeah. It was a great 180. I loved it. A good twist. Yes. I think so, too. They do a really good at making it light while also making the situation pretty serious. Ah, terrifying snow monsters. It was good. Um, but also, it just kind of, like, when, like, Seahawk and Scorpia kind of bond over, like, their relationships. Yeah. And just, like, I the, think that also shows the humanity between the two, like, that is easily between people. Yes. The fact that their relationship actually kind of built for the first time in this episode... And it just becomes perfect afterwards because you always see them together in some form or another. Yeah. They're so cute together. Like, I know they're just really good friends, but it's just like they are both very honest. They're both on different sides, but they have the same feeling. And you guys can and you can easily show that just because you don't agree on everything that you guys are both really human. And like you both can like have the same kind of emotions and just like connect on some sort of level and they also have a lot in common because 
they both had complicated relationships with people in the opposing groups. And they also both kind of struggle with their position in those groups. Scorpia being more of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right side of history? And Seahawk more of, I'm surrounded by all these incredibly powerful and incredibly skilled people. What I don't know if I really bring anything to the table here. Like Seahawk is very insecure in that of he knows that like he's, he's got all this bluster and he talks up a good game, but he knows secretly. And you see it a lot in this episode. He's like, I don't really know what I bring to the table here. And that humanity right there is what Seahawk brings to the table. Yes. And I feel like he and Scorpia both help each other see that their humanity is what matters. And that's what makes them important to their specific stories. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, <laughs> and like, and even so, like, and after that, like you, we still even see Entrapta just so focused on everything. Like, she, what is it? Bo shoots her with an arrow of something that just kind of like surrounds her in this like puffy thing. And she's just like, this is so interesting. Like that is the only thing she's focused on. And I think them showing like her, I don't want to say like a blind side, but like almost like she's only focused on science and like nothing yeah. else will matter if she sees something interesting. I don't know if naivete is the right word, but it's, kind of that because she doesn't necessarily see like the motivations of Bo like Bo shoots her with an arrow to like stop her thinking that she at that moment is the enemy and Trap right. is just like I'm just here to test out some tech oh this is some cool tech I like it good job Bo exactly just as you mentioned earlier the fact that she's that neutral ground neutral character I should say yeah, so I think that just, like, really helps her perspective. Like, it just helps, like, her personality, and almost it just helps, like, for everyone to understand, like, how it, how she is, like, redeemed, you know? Like, we can see that this is just who she is, and it's, like, she kind of can't really break from that, and it takes it takes a while. Yes. And in that way, there's almost not much to redeem, because Entrapta never does anything malicious. No, she, she doesn't. She just does what she always does, and I feel like all of her friends on the princess side of things are just like Entrapta was just being entrapped like she didn't like she wasn't out here trying to kill us she mm-hmm. that wasn't her goal she wasn't out for revenge she wasn't out to destroy the world she was just doing what she does and so that's they I don't think they ever had hard feelings against Entrapta once they realized that she was alive and she was uh, on I think they were kind of irritated I feel like they're, they're, just, they're not like I'm mad Entrapted did that i feel like these, it's let's yeah, save that one like, for later we gotta save that one for later yeah <laughs> but i think what's important also like yes no this also kind of especially for the audience in a sense it helps redeem her but yes um but not everyone sees some of this stuff you know like the other characters so that's important when you say like you also have to point out like what the writers are revealing to the audience before they reveal to the other characters and that's like this is actually as a screenwriter this is a technique they taught us is uh i believe it's called the triangle of knowledge okay so you have character a character b and the audience 
So if character A and B are know about something and are talking about it descriptively, audience is going to be like, what are they talking about? Like, we want to know what they're talking about. Right. If audience, if the audience and character A know something, but the audience knows that character B doesn't know something, that's how you just create conflict sometimes without creating like actual like action and violence. Huh. It's like, who knows what? You that's know? an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a screenwriting technique. Y'all just learned. Um, <laughs> um, but it's actually really helpful. So it's just kind of like, you know, what certain people know what, you know, and it's kind of like if the audience knows what's happening with character A and character B, but character A and character B don't know what they're happening. Like, that's obviously going to be like tension. That's going to be like something's going to happen. Like, blah, 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 like, <laughs> riding that's up the roller coaster. Sorry. It's also kind of the Hitchcockian thing of like, if the audience knows things that the characters on screen don't know, there's it's going to add tension. Like there's the whole example of like the audience sees a bomb under a table that no one on screen knows about, and the bomb's timer is set for ten minutes. For that ten minute scene, the tension is immense because the audience knows in ten minutes that bomb's going off. But no one around that table knows. So it's just, if the audience knows anything that the characters don't know, there's just so much more tension because they're waiting for that bomb to go off. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun technique to do, and it's kind of sly. Because um, it's like, because, you know, a lot of people think conflict is, like, actually arguing or, like, people, like you know having a fight and it's not always that it's just kind of like what you create in your surroundings and like and if you think about it in real life if you don't communicate correctly with a person you're going to cause tension true you know ah shit that hit my life (laughs) um anyhow back to season to the series um you know uh after i think the one of the last episodes of season two is Mm. when we meet bo's dad's um, Which, are honestly, the, uh, such a great series. Oh, I'm such a now great episode. The last episode. They are so cute. They are so sweet, and uh, uh, I can't get enough of them. I I really liked that entire episode too, because the entire episode was about them being very against the war, right, and not wanting Bo to go fight. And Bo having to basically sneak around being a soldier and then having to kind of come to terms with his dad's point of point of views, why they're against the war. And then his dad's having to come to terms with the fact that Bo can't sit around and do nothing. He has the ability to help. He has the responsibility to help. And it was just it's one of those things of like you see both sides but the characters can't see each other's side. Right. So you're just kind of waiting. The audience is just waiting for everything to get worked out, which it eventually does. But it's it's just a really good episode in that way. Yeah, and I just... I love Bo's dads. They're... Like, they mean very well, and I think it's really important when, like they he starts actually like we and we also learn a little bit about Bo's past because even Glimmer's like uh I don't know anything about his past yeah so like Adora's like all right this is great like you don't know anything about your best friend like that's fine 
and there's a door a door's curiosity like Glimmer's just kind of like I don't know the door's like we're gonna go find out right now but like the fact that both of them like how far Adora leans into this fake life that Bo had created for himself in order to help Bo <laughs> like it was so funny like she tries talking in an accent the entire time and I guess and it just um, didn't work. It just didn't work. And I guess what was it like the original name that they thought that they tried to translate um, Ethereum, uh, you know, uh, letters or whatever. And like on this thing, it was like they thought it was her raw, or was it was is that right? <laughs> They're like we believe it was that. called her raw, and she was like, no, it's she raw. <laughs> She's like, she gets a fucking dragon. Like, I want a fucking dragon. Like, that's how I would have been. But no, she's right. just like, what the... F-? She's like, I just... Uh, I have a unicorn. There. No, no girl, drop up. the F-bomb. I'd be so pissed, too. Like, yes, Swiftwind is an amazing character, but could you imagine, like, the same personality within a dragon? Tell that. me I'm wrong. No, that would be <laughs> fucking awesome. That would be so annoying. Like, <laughs> like looking at the way Swiftwind does, I can understand that personality. If it fits, if you have just an over talkative dragon. Mushu. Oh man. <laughs> Mushu. Oh man. But like oversized. But like I'm talking full size dragon. Yeah. It, that would be a lot to deal with. I mean, Mulan, oh, Mulan yeah. should be pissed no. that she got a she got a dragon that size too. Honestly, that girl just deserves like a big ass dragon. Uh, but like, yeah, no, that that's the kind of difference that I see within Shira and Chronic Ass Kickers. We're gonna be like, why the fuck did I not get a dragon? Actually, stating it out loud. Yes. And I think that's very important in. Um, because why the fuck didn't she get a dragon? I love Swiftwind though. I'm sorry, but <laughs> he's a great character and I love him. Can you imagine a dragon with Swiftwind's uh, color scheme? Just a rainbow colored dragon. That would be that'd that, be like the never-ending what? story. That really fluffy I mean, yeah. dog dragon and that was really isn't creepy. That just, isn't it just white though? Yeah, but well, he whole... has uh, rainbow wings. Oh, that okay. was scales. Uh, yeah, yeah. It would just straight up be the never-ending story dragon then. Yeah. Well, dragons have wings. So just white dragon with rag with rainbow wings. Yeah. Or maybe it's really reflective. <laughs> <laughs> They're just really thin and it reflect it refracts the light that passes through them. So it's really just prism stone wings. Okay. Okay. Um, I have no idea. I, I, I have no idea not watch the never ending story since I was like five I, yeah, yeah no that movie scared me but I just remember it having a large white dog I also remember the scene with the horse in the swamp yeah. I really horse. don't want to remember that scene I don't know if I want to um, did it die in the swamp yes. yeah it drowns in the swamp <sighs> alright we need to move on to better topics <laughs> back to happier things like uh, Catra's betrayal <laughs> You know, she, which betrayal? Which <laughs> that is a good question. Um, so, well, we ended off with that's the last of season two. Um, is when we meet Bo's dads. Um, I hope we didn't ruin anything for you. But if you listen to this and you hadn't gotten all the way through season two, what are you doing? 
Um, that's on you. You're missing out on a great show. Um, next tag this episode as uh, season one and two spoilers. So yeah, you know, like come on, this we're, we'll tag that as that of course. Yes. Um, after that's on you. Um, next time we will come back and talk more about season three and four. Um, we went really long on She-Ra, and I'm not surprised because I fucking love this show. Sorry. Um, I can always make it part one and part two. We, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Find a, find a good place to <laughs> break these. You're not wrong. Um, so we're really glad that you guys stuck around to this very end to listen to us. Um, but next time we will bring three and four, and we'll probably bring another episode for season five and really tie in a lot of these characters, their themes. Yes. Um, we really hope you enjoy the show as much as we do, too. You guys have any last words? Uh, go watch she and then go watch Avatar The Last Airbender. And then August 14th, Legend of Korra! Yes. I'm sorry, I'm very excited. Um, and then go watch Castlevania. And that too, that's oh, a really good show. Okay. Have you seen that? I have not seen it yet. You haven't we seen that? Watch it's it. a really good show. Um, or Attack on Titan, that's another one yes. that we should talk about. Let's just list all the shows these people should watch. <laughs> we got another hour, right? Yeah, we probably could. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for listening to us, and thank you, Drew and Barry, for humoring me and for listening to She-Ra and, or watching She-Ra with me. Um, can't wait for us to come back and talk to you guys more, but otherwise, uh, be safe out there, and um, yeah, wait for us to come back with some more stuff. See you next time. See ya. See ya.